Happy 2024, everybody. If you are uh, unknown to me or I'm unknown to you, my name is Thomas Gold, and I have been a part of the Friendship Church family since I was in first grade, which some of you like to remind me of. Uh, remember that time you went and hid in the bathroom because you didn't want to go to Sunday school, Thomas? Yes. Thank you for reminding me of my choices as a seven-year-old. Uh, but uh, not only was I here in first grade, I got married 25 years ago just down the hallway in the chapel. Yes. We celebrated, Janice and I celebrated 25 years last summer. And since then, God has blessed us with six Children, my first 10 years of pastoral ministry was here at the church, and uh, I'm no longer on a church staff, but happy and blessed to be part of this, this church family now, as my kids are growing, and you're a blessing to us, and uh, God's doing lots of good stuff. So that's me. Uh, it is an honor to launch <clears throat> 2024 with you while Matt is away for a few weeks. He's gone for six weeks, and we have a mystery lineup of uh, speakers, so some of you will enjoy that, and some of you will be uh, twiddling thumbs. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Uh, and <clears throat> I encourage you, last week, Pastor Kenny had the suggestion, we'll put Matt's phone number and email up on the screen, uh, which we didn't, and we won't, but... Interestingly enough, there is an email that you can find on the church website for Matt. And what if this week you did send Matt an email and we title waved him with, I'm praying for you, you're a blessing to me, happy 2024. That'd be a good thing. That'd be okay to do. So um, I'm not going to give you his email, but it may or may not be on the website on the staff page. All right. <clears throat> September 2022, we started a series as a church through the book of Mark, and uh, we have gone in and out of the book of Mark over the last 18 months. We've dipped in for a couple of months, and then we had some uh, times where we interjected other themes or other books of the Bible like Romans or uh, Exodus or marriage or work or the Holy Spirit, but we keep coming back to the book of Mark, which I think is a fantastic picture for us to start our year this year with, just the idea of moving back to Jesus. That's what the book of Mark is, right? It's the portrayal of Jesus. We want to move back to the book of Mark. We move into other life areas, move back to Jesus. I like that picture, uh, kind of like a bicycle tire, if you can picture it, that has the hub at the center of it that holds all of the spokes. And uh, then the spokes kind of fly out in different directions. I don't know if you ever feel like your life is flying out in different directions, but Perhaps 2024 could be the year that we cling to Jesus at the center of all of the spokes of our life together. Here's what I know about 2024. There's going to be some days when the wheel of your life is going up. Like the spokes are like, yes, yes, whoa, I'm on top. And I know at some time this year, there's going to be, oh, no, 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 oh, life is completely rolling me over flat. But what if Jesus, in all of those ups and all of those downs, was the one we looked to to hold all of the spokes together? And so, 
we come back to the book of Mark. This is going to be our final time. We're going to move through the end of the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 11. While you're turning there, uh, we will get a, a little bit of a, a, a summary or an overview of Mark so, so that we can understand here what we are going to take a look at. So, uh, catching up, we need power. There we go. Catching up in Mark's gospel as we get ready to jump into chapter 11. Uh, overview here of the book of Mark. Mark chapters 1 through 10 represent three years of Jesus' life. His three years of public ministry covered in 10 chapters. And now, as we move to chapters 11 through 16, we are covering one week. That's interesting. That's interesting. Mark is going to pump the brakes get out the magnifying glass, really look in to see what Jesus does in this last week of his life. Catching up with Mark number two, as we moved in to chapter 11, the, uh, what's going on in the Jewish nation here, what's going on at this time of year is it is Passover week. And so Jerusalem is absolutely packed with people, packed with pilgrims who have traveled north, south, east, west. People have come. They do this every year for the annual Passover festival. Uh, it, it would be uh, people trickling in on the roads and they would meet other pilgrims on the road. Hey, are you going to Jerusalem? I'm going to Jerusalem. How, where are you going to stay? What are you going to do? Can you believe that we get to go and we get to celebrate how great our God is? Again, this year, it's going to be Passover. Were you there last year? I was there last year. You remember when the priest caught him his, his sleeve on fire by accident? Oh, yes! I remember. They were ex exchanging stories because they do this every year. They go every year, again, to celebrate Passover because it's such a huge deal. Well, what was the huge deal? The Passover, we learn in the book of Exodus, was the moment when after 400 years of slavery... In Egypt, God worked miracles to break his people out of slavery. And the Passover was what happened on the final night that in a single night God decisively threw the chains off of his people. The Passover was the historical moment when a sudden total defeat of their enemies led to a sudden total freedom for God's people. And so they have remembered this for hundreds of years. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Every year they come to this week-long festival to say, we have a mighty God. We have an amazing God. We have a saving God. And so the atmosphere in Jerusalem, and the people traveling to Jerusalem is like a, a Super Bowl party frenzy atmosphere coupled with the 4th of July. Like, this is our national heritage. And they would come for a week and celebrate and party. And yes, our God. We celebrate our God who saves us. We celebrate our God who saves us, we celebrate. We celebrate our God saves. Our God saves. That was the theme of the week. Remembering it over and over for hundreds of years. And believing 
when we come together, he did it once. He delivered us from our enemies. He broke us out. And he has promised to do it again. They've had dozens, hundreds of prophecies about this Messiah that God is going to send to represent God on earth. He is coming. So they'd be celebrating. God did it. And he's going to do it. Yes, please, Lord. We can't wait. And in this time period in the book of Mark, as people are traveling to Jerusalem, there's people that have lived around that area who for the last few years have been seeing this guy. There's this guy. There's this guy. He, he fed a huge crowd with just a little bit of food. Have you heard about this guy? And people have started talking. There's a guy. There's a guy. I was there, and I, w- I know I was on the fringe of the crowd, but what I heard that he did and what I saw that he did is there was a blind man, and all of a sudden, that blind man could see again. There's a guy. There's a guy with the power to heal people's legs, to make them walk. There's a guy. So people are traveling to Jerusalem for Passover to celebrate God's power, to celebrate God's freedom, and there's a lot of talk. About a guy. Two weeks before this, that guy was in Bethany, two miles away from Jerusalem, and he called a dead man out of a tomb. There is a guy. They're saying, guys, this is huge. Do you know about this guy? I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I buy it. Who is this guy? What does he know? Hey, where has he studied? What does he know? Does he do the rabbi's home? Is he a rabbi? What kind of authority does he have? Well, he was born in Bethlehem and he grew up in Nazareth. What? What can anything good come from Nazareth? There's a guy. He brought a man out of the tomb. This is a big deal. The third thing we need to understand here in Mark chapter 11 is the shush becomes the shout. The shush. As you read through the Gospels, Jesus is always doing these amazing things, these cool things, and then what does he tell the people after he does these miracles? Shush. 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 This was for you, but don't tell anybody else. What? What are you talking about? In Mark chapter 7, we have the story of Jesus. He goes and he heals a deaf man, a man who has never heard in his life. And you know what the first thing this guy hears after he gets healed? Shh. Don't tell anyone. Oh, are you kidding me? This is the first thing I'm hearing. This is amazing. I'm not, how am I not going to tell? But Jesus has been shushing everybody. It was like last month at my house. We were having a birthday party. It was a surprise. We had all of these people gathering in the house for our son Nathan. He was out with a couple friends playing some board games. We were gathering people in. Some older people, some younger people, some little children. And as we found out, okay, Nathan's in the neighborhood. Okay, Nathan is getting out of the car. Text, text, text. He's coming, he's coming. And we all start shushing, shushing, right? We have stairs leading up to our living room. So we're all on the floor kneeling, crouching, easier for some of us than it was for others. And there's these little children, and these little children don't understand. This 
surprise concept. So we're all shushing. Shush. And Nathan opens the door. And somebody starts, and I shush. Diet. Not till he gets upstairs and he can see us up here. So Nathan comes up, and then his long, lovely, curly locks breach the banister, and we all say, surprise! And that is Mark chapter 11. Jesus has been shushing most of the time, and now he is going to come, and he is going to physically, symbolically let her rip. He is going to let his name, his personhood, be shouted. And there will be no question, once we see what takes place, who this man is. And so, that gets us to Mark chapter 11. As we dive in here, remember, this is like 4th of July, Super Bowl week. That's the, 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 the atmosphere. They are watching God, you saved us. God, you'll save us again. And there's a guy. There's a guy. As we read, watch for five clues. There's more than five, but watch for at least five clues about Jesus announcing himself to be the king. He's going to say it without saying it. Mark 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, this is Jesus and the crowd of people that's been following him for days. When they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied to a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and Jesus sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before, and those who followed, were shouting, just what you sang a few minutes ago, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Did you see the clues? Because without doing some deeper study, I didn't see very many of the clues. I could guess at a couple of the clues, but the clues weren't jumping off the page for these people in this crowd at this time period in history, the clues were spectacularly clear about what Jesus was doing on this day. There are at least five clues. I know there's more. We're going to take a look at five together about Jesus announcing 
with a clear shout that he's the king. First, the location or the direction that Jesus traveled from. Mark has made it clear that Jesus came from the other side of the uh, Jordan River, the east side of the Jordan River. He traveled through the town or city of Jericho. He came in chapter 11 to Bethphage and Bethany, which are two miles east of Jerusalem, and he comes to Jerusalem. Mark has made it clear to those people who had eyes to see, and Jesus has made it clear by doing this, that he was coming from the east, and this was hugely significant, not a coincidence for the Israelites at this time. This was not a coincidence. They knew their scriptures, and they knew They had studied deep. They had studied hard about trying to collect every single detail about when will the Messiah come. Like your uh, friend or your uncle or your other unusual person who likes to study about the end times, right? I want every detail. I want every detail. I'm going to think on every detail. I'm going to write a book about every detail. And I'm going to know exactly the day and time when Jesus is coming back, right? Is it wrong to look forward to Jesus' return? No, is it? it's not wrong. They were looking forward to the Messiah. We're looking forward to his return. And they knew, according to Zechariah 14, there was a significance about coming from the east. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day, on the day when God shows up to deal with his enemies again. On the day when the Messiah comes, on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west. You see it here in verse 1? When they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the what? What location did Jesus come and stand on? At the Mount of Olives. This was the first clue Jesus knew, the people knew. Here he comes. Is this really the guy? The second clue, the king clue that we have, is that he chose to ride on a young donkey. Matthew in his writing about the triumphal entry in his gospel, says a quote from Zechariah 9.9. Matthew relays, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And so again, Jesus here knows exactly what he's doing. When he rides a donkey from outside Jerusalem on the east into Jerusalem, he is aiming to proclaim, to fulfill, to embody the ancient messianic prophecies. It is very good news for me and you that Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey. Not just because he fulfilled a prophecy, but because of what riding on a donkey symbolized at that time. It's really great news that he rode on a donkey. 
<clears throat> Zechariah says he is a humble king. Jesus came in to be a humble king, a gentle king. He came peacefully to bring peace. When the angels announced his birth, we just celebrated Christmas, right? When the angels announced his birth, they said, on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is great news. Most kings in history, most leaders in history are crushing kings. Get in line with me or get crushed. Jesus is a helping king. Jesus is in charge. He's the king. But what he is bringing in is peace. He's bringing help. He's bringing rescue. Jesus is a helping king. Jesus is riding in on this donkey. And as we saw in verse 11, the the place that is his destination is the temple where the sacrifices are made for the sins of the people. And when Jesus gets to the end of this week... He won't be riding a donkey anymore. He will be riding on a cross intentionally to bear the sins and the shame of all people because he is not a crushing king. He is a helping king. As somebody said this morning, right in this room as we were meeting, Jesus came to save us each of us, from our 100 million sins. And what he did on the cross was enough to purify us from every single one so we don't have to do any more to be in favor with God. It is great news that Jesus came on a donkey this day. The third clue we have about the king is when they throw their cloaks on the ground. And we actually have some familiarity with this in our culture. The idea of laying out a special carpet, right? Rolling out the red carpet for the celebrities. Rolling out the red carpet for a visiting foreign dignitary. Let's roll out the red carpet that says these people are really special. And I don't know how many of our celebrities we should say these people are really special. But... The, the, the red carpet treatment, that's exactly what's happening here. That's what they're doing. They're throwing their cloaks before Jesus to say, you, to me, are really important. Verse 7. They, threw the, they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and Jesus sat on it, and many spread their cloaks on the road. This was... Somewhat normal in the Old Testament, we have a few times when a person was anointed as king and then all the people around him started throwing their cloaks on the ground. And the symbol was, you are my king and I, through this symbolizing cloak, give myself to your authority. That's what the cloaks meant. I am coming under your kingship. 
And everybody knew it. That's why we lay our cloaks down for when a king shows up that we are surrendering to, that we are giving ourselves to. Cloaks on the ground. Clue number four, the leafy branches. It says in verse 8, Many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. If you read this uh, episode in the Gospel of John, it says that they were palm branches. And so that's why we have palm branches that we celebrate on Palm Sunday. And if you want to have a lot of fun with people this coming Palm Sunday in a couple months, just walk up to them and say, Happy Palm Sunday, my friend. And see how long it takes them to get it. Oh, I am a dad. I have six kids. Dad jokes are okay here. Come on. Palm Sunday. Okay. The leafy branches. What was the significance? Why branches? Why palm branches? Random? Palm branches, were they random? 150 years before this happened, in Jerusalem, God had led Israel to gain their independence through a leader named Joseph, uh, nope, Simon Maccabeus. God had brought Israel to independence, and as the people were celebrating 150 years earlier of this national victory, people started cutting and waving the palm branches. And so this became, over a century and a half, the way that God's people celebrated their national independence. This is who we are. God saves us from our enemies. This is who we are. God saves us from our enemies. We have kind of a similar deal with pride in the American flag, right? We wave the American flag to say, this is what we stand for as a country. This is the freedom. The red stripes, the white stripes, the white stars. We wave our flags, we celebrate the 4th of July, we celebrate throughout the year. We wave our flags, we are proud, we should be proud. That's what they're doing. They're waving their branches, they're laying down our branches to say, you, king, are the one that's going to give us freedom. You are bringing us freedom here today. That's quite a kingly clue. Lastly, fifth king's clue They shouted Hosanna. Verse 9. Those who went before and those who were following were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And we all just sang it. We said the words like 25 times in that song. And what does it mean? What were you singing? I was singing Hosanna. I know. What were you singing? Hosanna means save us. Save us. So get this picture. Passover week. Cloaks on the ground. There's a man riding a donkey from the east. And all around him people are shouting Hosanna. Blessed is he, blessed is he, the man on the donkey who comes in the name of the Lord. We believe that you are the man sent from God. Save us, Hosanna in the highest. That's quite a statement. Hosanna in the highest. 
the people got these words from one of their psalms that they, they would sing. They were familiar with this. Psalm 118 says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that phrase, our series title, I'm going to let you pronounce it like Midwesterners all week. That's just fine. We'll give it our best shot. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In all four Gospels, that's the phrase that all of them included. All of them used this, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because the people were celebrating the king. Celebrating the king in the highest. Now, We have these clues. Who started all of this happening on this day? Who started the dominoes falling? Coming from the east and sending for a donkey. Who brought this about? Jesus has come to end the shush and to shout with these clues and more, I am the Messiah who you've been waiting for. I am the Savior. I am the Savior. This is unbelievable. They've been waiting hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. We could say we've been waiting hundreds of years for the return of Jesus. And here he is, the king. Jesus is the king. That's the meaning of Mark 11, 1 through 11. Jesus saying, I am your king. That's the meaning for them and for us. Now, what difference does it make to us? Jesus is saying it, so what? What difference does it make? Well, let me ask you this. Are you far enough into your 2024 yet to know that everything is not going to go perfect? Including you. Are you far enough in? Is seven days enough time to know? It's not going to be perfect this year and neither am I and neither is anybody else around me. Sometime this year, there will be surprises that are bigger than you want to deal with. Sometime this year, there will be difficulties that are bigger than you want to deal with. As this Jesus rode in, these people did not know what was coming up in the following week, right? Nobody this day would have predicted, and I bet he dies on Saturday... Nobody would have bet. They didn't know what was coming this week. You and I don't know what's coming this year. We don't. Here is what I do know. Here's what I want to remind you of this year. I know that Jesus was the king they needed. And Jesus is the king we need for this year. He is that king. 
He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the rescuer. He is the Savior. Jesus is the one person who will receive your surrender and treat you rightly. So let me move into our final chunk of time with three king truths for 2024. The first thing I'm reminded of here in verse 2 is that Jesus knows. I love this. Verse 2, Jesus says, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Hey, Jesus knows. He didn't see the colt. He knew. Jesus knows. He knows what's going to happen on that week. And he knows what's going to happen in your year this year. Jesus knows. Jesus sees everything. Jesus sees the donkeys in your life. And you are free to apply that in whatever way you need to. He sees the donkeys in your life. He knows which donkeys are tied up where they're supposed to be. And he knows the donkeys that are running wild where they're not supposed to be. Because Jesus sees everything. Jesus sees the difficulties. And he sees the drama. He sees the dollars. He sees your deliberations. Jesus sees the dad issues and the dad efforts and the dad difficulties. Jesus sees behind the doors. He sees behind your bedroom door. He sees behind your bathroom door. He sees behind your car door. He sees behind the door at the doctor's office. Jesus knows everything. He sees your diary, or whatever you'd write in a diary if you didn't write a diary, like I don't write a diary. He sees every detail. The king knows every detail. This is a start of a week that they could not predict. 2024 is a year that... You and I, we cannot predict. But be reminded today, take heart today, that Jesus knows all of it. And, not only does he know it, but he is still a humble king, a helpful king, a sacrificing helper, rescuer king. And he will help those who lean on him do whatever needs to be done this year he knows and he still helps second king truth for your 2024 is that jesus asks and he returns or rewards now this is not a specific lesson being taught here but this leapt into my mind uh, this week as i was preparing and praying and thinking of you because throughout the scripture it is clear That whatever people give to God, they don't lose. Jesus, I I just love this. Uh, He says, if somebody asks, why are you taking this donkey? 
tell them the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And I'm reminded that King Jesus isn't stingy and he's not greedy and he's not a hoarder. Jesus always rewards when we serve him. In Mark chapter 10, just the chapter before this one, Jesus says this to his followers. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake. Okay? There's no one who gives up anything for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Scripture makes a promise after promise after promise after promise. We never yield anything to God and come out at a loss in the end. We never lay down anything that he asks us to lay down that in eternity we won't be repaid a bajillion fold. And that's a lot. Now, before you go out and misquote me, let's make a clarifying statement. Jesus does not promise to give us a one-to-one reward ratio. Scripture, we don't find that in Scripture. I'm sending up one prayer, and I'm expecting you to send one answer. No, no, no. No, no. I give you $100, Lord. You send me 1000 back. No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. It's not what we're talking about. I be kind to my enemy, and they turn around and are so pleased and treat me better in return. I don't see that in Mark 5, 6, and 7, but I see the first part. Treat your enemy, and your reward will be great. In heaven. King Jesus doesn't promise. Listen, listen, don't be discouraged. He doesn't promise a one-to-one ratio reward because he works with much more massive returns. He works way bigger. If you are serious about Jesus this year, he will ask for Various things. He will ask you to begin something. He will ask you to end something. He will ask you to start a relationship. He will ask you to move in a different way. In a really, I don't know. If you take him seriously as your king this year, he will ask for your serving and your donkeys. And for those who choose to serve him in this life, there is promised super multiplied rewards. Let's hear the best one. Just as an example. What's the best reward? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. God will wipe away Every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah! Jesus will reward you in ways that we cannot comprehend for anything that we surrender to him. The king will ask, and he will reward. Finally, third king truth. Will Jesus be king of your cloaks this year? Do you remember what we said the meaning of the throwing of the cloaks was? What it meant when they laid their cloaks down under the king? They were saying, I belong to you. You are my authority now. I give myself to you as my king. And so we've got to ask, just like they did that day, will Jesus be king of our cloaks? And so I have a box here that I put some of my cloaks in. The things in this box would not be the same things that you would have in your box, your cloaks, the things that are important to you. But in my box, I have this hat. And on this hat, I have a logo that represents uh, my company, represents the work that I do. And this is one of my cloaks. My job is one of my cloaks that I bring into this year. And I, if Jesus is my king... I need to approach my job and say, how will Jesus be my boss here this year? What would Jesus want from me at work? I have an old clock here. Represents the time. I'm going to get a certain amount of time in 2024. I'm planning to get all of 2024, but I don't know. But my time is one of my cloaks. Is Jesus the king of my cloak? And what would it look like? How could it look differently from last year if I laid my time at the feet of Jesus? Uh, I have here the most hideous pair of shoes that I've ever owned. Because I'm not a man of fashion. I'm a man of finance, and this is what was on sale. Uh, But these shoes represent, uh, these are running shoes. They represent my running hobby that my wife and I share. And so they represent the time and the money I spend on my hobbies. And all of us have time and money that we put into our interests. And I wonder if this is a cloak that Jesus gets to be the king of or what he might say about my Hobbies, do, it, do, do this a little more, do this a little different, do this a little less. Invite some people in, let's shine my light. I don't know. What would King Jesus say in my 
hobbies. I have a book here that I'm reading. What am I going to put in my mind this year? What is Jesus going to have to say to me about what I put into my mind? I have a phone this year. This might be more practical for many of you than a book. You have a phone. What does Jesus have to say if he is my master this year? Um, sour cream is delicious. Can we agree? All right. That's the loudest everybody got all morning. For sour cream, let's go. Sour cream. Uh, representing what am I going to put into my body this year? What am I gonna, how am I going to treat my body? And what does Jesus have to say about? What, am, I, am I considering him in what I'm using my body for? Now this is the actual wedding album that I did not ask for permission to bring. So, shh. Uh, if you want to laugh the hardest you've laughed so far in 2024, come take, picture, come take a look at the pictures of me, and you'll laugh. And if you want to have your mind blown, come see the pictures of my wife and say, how is she so much more beautiful now 25 years later than she was on her wedding day? But if Jesus is my king... I'm going to need him in my marriage this year. Um, I've left a few scars in my marriage over 25 years, and I don't like, I don't want to do that anymore. Jesus has the best way for me to be a husband. Jesus knows the best way. And there's other things in here. I've got a wallet that is mostly empty except for pictures. Uh, I also have a Bible. Because if Jesus is my king, he might have something to say about what I do with my Bible this year. He might have some encouragements for you. <clears throat> if Jesus is my king, will Jesus be the king of your cloaks this year? <clears throat> and let me actually finish now by saying this. Jesus being the king of your cloaks, if you put him first, it does not mean that you will have your easiest year. But if the Bible is true, if Jesus is king of your cloaks, then you will have your best year because he will walk with you in all things. He will strengthen you in all things. He will bless you with wisdom in all things. He will bring you peace when things may not be peaceful. If the Bible is true, you may not have the easiest year, but it may be the year with your fewest regrets, the year where you do the least damage to yourself, or to others? Is Jesus the king of your cloaks? If he will be, you will have a year where you will impact eternity. Eternity will be made through your life if Jesus is your boss this year. If you would, please...
I'm going to give you a moment with King Jesus. Our musical team is going to come, but you are going to have a moment to talk to Jesus about whatever he may be nudging or encouraging or challenging in you this year. Your moment to talk to Jesus about your cloaks, about his salvation. Let's spend a moment with him.